0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and you are listening to this beautiful thing because you I'm pointing at you. You care about independent music in some way, shape, or form, whether that's punk, hardcore, indie rock, whatever it is. I'm trying to cover it in a real way, you know, not just in the cheesy soundbite like, oh, hey, where'd you get your band name? Because frankly, everybody else does that. And I'm bored by that. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm better, but I'm just bored by that. I need to hear a little bit more about people and uh, what they, what makes them up, who they are. All that sort of stuff. And do you know who is on the show this week? Of course, because you can read. And I, I act like I'm unveiling some some secret thing. But no, you can read. And that's probably why you're listening to this show. It is Jake Ewald from Modern Baseball. And he also has a solo project, which is why he came on the show, called Slaughter Beach, Comma, Dog. Which I just always like to say it that way. Just because I think it's fun. But um, we spoke it was before the election, before the new year. So, um, you know, for, forgive me if you can uh, hear the datedness, which I doubt you can, because typically I don't speak about stuff that is, uh, is poignant time-wise with the actual interview. But we talked a lot about some really fun stuff that I don't get to uh, dive too much into. Um, you know, religion is a, an important part of my life and I love to talk to people about it, but we get real deep in here with Jake. So, um, yeah. Yeah, let's get some uh, some formalities, some business out of the way, and I will uh, address some uh, some personal goings on in my life that uh, I know some of you are are at least tepidly interested in. But, um, yeah, so this is a important thing for me to let all of you know, like my wife is doing well for those of you that have been paying attention to the uh the stuff we've been going through she got diagnosed with cancer late last year and uh but yeah she's uh doing chemotherapy it's a uh it's a rough go of it but uh she's doing really well all things considered so thank you for asking and your continual support and um also I would really like to give a shout out to a listener of the show david who uh works at a really com- cool company i'm not gonna name drop that company because i didn't ask him if i was allowed to do this but um it was very nice because he wrote me and said you know kind things about the show and was also like hey i work with this really cool company you should come by and check out our our space and um when people do that i just feel let into their lives in ways that uh if this show didn't exist, I wouldn't be led into their life. And that's just a incredible thing. So thank you very much for that, David. I, uh, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, I, I think that's all I really want to talk about right now. I, uh, though there's, yeah, there's nothing else on my mind besides uh, the impending president elect coming into office and just the, you know, I, I chuckle there, but it's just like every day I just. <laughs> consume the news just being like all right what's uh, what's going to happen now and it's like every day is just like this this weird um i was going to say present but a lot of it is just like oh my gosh like i can't i can't believe that's happening now really that's happening and um yeah, i just have to sometimes slow myself down take a deep breath and just be like okay one thing at a time let's like focus, focus on the things that you can change in your own life the opinions that you can express that, uh, are not going to alienate people, but, uh, maybe make them rethink certain things in their life. And yeah, anyways, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, but, um, yeah, in any event, uh, let's, uh, let's talk to Jake because, uh, he was an incredibly insightful conversation. So, uh, let's go ahead and do, do the damn thing. All right. Let it, let it, let it roll Ray, because I was acting like I was going to throw it over to some producer or some other person in the room, but there isn't, it's just me. So here we go. onto to the show. I got keyed into you guys uh on sports when uh Lemo cuz Lemo was the first press of that, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Just want to make sure. Um and so I got, key, I got keyed into it uh, then from just a friend that was like, oh, you'd probably like this, and I listened to it, and I was like, yes, I do like this. Um, right. But it was one of those things where in listening to, you know, anytime you're listening to a band's first full-length, um, you're always kind of like, you know, you, you either like it because it's charming and you see where they're kind of like going, or you think mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, they really got their their stuff together. Um, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely found myself thinking the latter rather than the former like you know i know a lot of people were oh really like, yeah now and i and i know wow. i know i may be in the minority but i because a lot of people were just like, <laughs> oh that's such a cute thing that they did and like, right yeah <laughs> but t- to me it was just like the fact that they're i mean yes the sentiments you guys were sharing were you know cute and charming and whatever you want whatever word you <laughs> want to use to describe it but it seems it seems like he had like the song's together if that makes sense where it's like you were you know you were serious well,
1: that's cool to hear
0: yeah you were serious about you know obviously making sure these songs were as uh, you know as mm-hmm. as professional as you wanted them to be um like did you guys like did you practice those songs like a ton before you recorded them or like how did that kind of um, <laughs> or, or was it one of those things you just went to the studio and figured it out
1: <laughs> yeah we kind of did uh, well at that point sean the drummer was not in the band yet and Ian, the bass player, um, wasn't technically playing bass in the band. He was just, uh, we had become friends, and he was going to help us record and produce the record. So Brad and I had each written our own, um, I think I only wrote like two or three songs on that record, but we had each written our own songs and just had like, um, you know, lyrics and melody and an acoustic guitar part. And uh, a couple of songs we had written, in like the acoustic demos we had already made a lead guitar part but for a lot of them we just went into the studio with that and then uh i would get on the drum set and make up a drum part and then uh just record it and then you know get on the bass and make up a bass part and then record it and just go through the whole thing um so we actually i don't think for any of those songs we actually like jammed them out or flesh them out full band before recording them. It was all very much just like in the studio, um, making stuff up and then laying it down. So yeah, m- m- most of the practicing and learning came after uh, right. the actual recording, which kind of became our mo.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, that's funny. So, ba- like, basically, you're telling me I'm really, really wrong. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're so wrong. I'm so wrong. Uh, no, it's not good. Well, I, I mean, but that's cool that it sounds uh, that way. That's like uh, that's um, that's really cool to hear. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think I think maybe more so on the fact that I just felt like um, you know because I, I felt like the the vision was clear. Like your voice was you mm-hmm. know relatively clear as far as what you guys wanted to accomplish, and like to me, that's always. Ooh that's always exciting when you obviously run across a band that's like, okay. Cause you know, usually obviously when you start playing music, like you're horrible. And like when you put out your first music, yeah. you're terrible. Um, and so it's yeah. like, it's always kind of nice to hear where it's like, Oh, like they got, they got their stuff together and it seems like they've got a good, you know, a strong, unique voice. So that's uh yeah, that's, that's cool. I'm glad you guys were Thank able you. to, yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm glad you accidentally found that in the studio. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the, um, and so they, you know, kind of focusing on on you as a person. Uh, you were were you were you born and raised in the Philadelphia area, or where did you come up?
1: I actually didn't. Uh, I, went, I saw the Liberty Bell one time when I was younger, but I didn't come to Philadelphia for real until I moved into my college dorm room. Um, before that, I was in mostly uh, most. I was all in Maryland. Um, I spent a lot of uh, like elementary schoolish time in this suburb of uh, D.C. called Laurel, which was like a very, uh, you know, uh, well, very suburban. And yeah. then um, whenever I went to high school, we moved closer, we moved to this uh, country kind of uh, like cornfield type place mm-hmm. uh, called Brunswick, Maryland. Okay. And then near the end of high school, we moved to a town, which was like the closest city to the cornfield town called Frederick. Um, but yeah, it was all just kind of suburbs of D.C. Uh, within was in Maryland. So lots of hills, lots of trees. And all my like extended family was out there, so it was cool. But I had never lived in a real city until I came to college.
0: Wow, yeah. Um, That's kind of a, uh, I'm sure that was a shock to the system when you arrived in a city and like started to get used to, you know, the idea of city life. Yeah.
1: It was cool. Oh, I mean, I was just immediately like, oh, I mean, I didn't expect it to be this way because I'm pretty introverted and I just like, I don't really like hanging out with people that much and I like staying home. But to live in a place where I could just like wake up and then like get on the train and go to the guitar store by myself or like wake up and walk to the coffee shop and read a book by myself and like go do whatever I have to do and ride my bike uh and then just come home at the end of the day i was like wow this is amazing this is my favorite thing ever i wish i could have done this you know five years ago right (laughs) yeah
0: no i i really like that uh that concept of like when you first start to feel like not only freedom obviously living away from your parents but just then the notion of like dude i can do this thing like it's easily accessible and like i get a lot of enjoyment out of it
1: it's awesome
0: yeah were you uh, what was your family structure like like you know brothers and sisters mom and dad in the picture what was the uh, the makeup of yeah. your house?
1: very uh, highly nuclear I had both parents still together nice um, one twin sister uh, not identical just regular style Sure, um, <laughs> re-
0: re- <laughs> I like that, re- re- regular, regular style. It makes it sound like she's, uh, she's, my, she's, she's, uh, she's a burrito, like you're ordering a burrito yeah, at Taco Bell or something.
1: My fucking collegiate vernacular. Um, and yeah, it was very, you know, dinner at six o'clock every night, um, that kind of deal, church on Sunday. Um, we would see both uh, for the longest time. I also had both sets of grandparents and they both lived within, like, mm, two or three hours of wherever we lived. So it was like, you know, mom, dad, sister, dinner, at six every night, visit the grandparents once a month, visit the other grandparents the other month. Um, very super family-oriented, That's awesome. uh, which was cool. Yeah. yeah, when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is so annoying. I hate driving all these places. I just want to, you know, go home and play Tony Hawk or whatever mm-hmm. but now that I'm older and I still have those relationships with my grandparents and with my aunts and uncles and cousins I'm like wow and then, you know I when I started meeting people in college I realized how um few of the kids in my generation are lucky enough to have that kind of relationship with their whole extended family so, so I'm really stoked that my parents uh kind of created that environment for me and my sister so
0: it's cool. Yeah, I like how you can, uh, in retrospect, you can look back because, yeah, it's so, uh, you know, it is so rad when, because I was very much like you. I had I had a great relationship mm-hmm. with, with, you know, one set of my grandparents in particular. But it was one of those <clears throat> things where, you know, most of, of your peers just look at the grandparents as, like, these weird people you visit, like, once a year on a holiday. And,
1: right, yeah. But you're, like... These, who are those old freaks
0: totally and then you're like dude <laughs> those old freaks have seen more shit than you will ever imagine yeah and like yeah just yeah it's beautiful to be like you know anytime your grandparents like drop a story on you where it's just like oh yeah like yeah. You know, I, I was living in an alleyway eating bread to survive and you're just like wait what <laughs> this,
1: <laughs> holy crap totally, and you're still alive <laughs>
0: totally you're like i think i don't think i would have made it <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. No, that's rad. And so, what's uh, what's your parents do for a living?
1: So my dad, um, let's see, when I was, when my mom was pregnant. I think when my, he might have been done by then, he started out as a PE teacher, and then he became uh, like a vice principal and then a principal, and he's now a superintendent. Um, but my mom has always been a United Methodist minister.
0: Oh, um, nice. So I, presu- yeah, it was cool. I presume that's obviously the church that you were going to. Was was she a, was she like your local minister or would you go to a different church?
1: Yeah. It was uh, every Sunday. Well, she would, you know, she would wake up like three hours before the rest of us, but yeah, go to church, meet mom there. Uh, she says all the stuff, and then we all hang out. It was funny, especially funny when me and my sister were first born because the church she was at um, in Laurel, there was. Uh, so a lot of times or some of the time a church will have uh, a house that they own called a parsonage where the pastor will live oh right Um, and usually it's just like a house you know within a few miles of the church but in uh, at the church where she was and me and my sister were born, it was literally in the parking lot of the church. So we would like wake up and like toddle across the parking lot to church, see mom preach, go back home, <laughs> eat lunch. And it was it was very <laughs> contained. Um so uh it's kinda cool. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I, I find it interesting that anybody that obviously, um, you know, has either their mother or father that are heavily involved in a church from just like a leadership standpoint, just because like, not only mm-hmm. do you get to see, because, you know, most people experience church or other religious affiliates, you know, once a week, maybe. And like, but obviously you're, yeah. you're seeing this from like a, you know, an on the ground perspective is this is mom's work
1: Yeah,
0: and you totally. get, you get to see so much more of what happens like you know all the things that she does in regards to like you know meeting with people that are you know going through struggles and like you know because normally people oh
1: yeah totally
0: and so like i'm sure you had a pretty interesting perspective on that
1: yeah it was cool to and that was you know another thing that while i was younger um i didn't really realize it was just like oh my gosh mom has another meeting she's not gonna come home and hang out with me or whatever um but now that i'm now that we talk about this stuff when i'm older and just Uh, hearing her um, explain how she does like, you know, even stuff like whenever she agrees to marry someone, first they do like two or three sessions of marriage counseling to be like, hey, you know, you want to get married? Let's make sure this is a good idea. Um, Or even people who are already married who want to do marriage counseling. And then she also um, for members of the church who get old and end up in the hospital, she it's like in her routine to go visit them in the hospital or just like talk to them and say hi um, or people who are uh, old enough that they're confined to their own homes. it's like in her you know to-do list to go visit all of them and hang out with them. Um, and even you know just like meeting with people so that the church functions properly like as you know as a on a business level because you have to keep the lights on. So just like there's so much stuff that goes into it um, that a lot of times you don't even think about, but it's, uh, it's really cool to know the whole, um, you know, come in the back door and be like, Oh, this is uh this is kind of crazy. You rock. You're the boss. No, totally. So cool.
0: <laughs> I-, I like that. Cause you know, usually within the context of the music scene that you and I exist in, it's like, obviously a lot of people look at religion and are just like, Oh, it's, you know, horrible. I'm, you know, atheist. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck- fuck that. Exactly. And so it's like, you know I, I don't i don't care what a person uh you know believes from that perspective but when you see the sort of you know if you just look at it like a, at a very base level of exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about of this yeah. this person is selflessly acting you know they're sacrificing their own time their own um you know yeah. sometimes sanity because they're working so hard and it's just like yeah. how can you look at that and be like Oh, like that I don't know about that. No, totally yeah, totally. It's like it's such a just on the base level of like, you know, this yet right. yes, there are a lot of flaws within the context of something that is man-made, which is religion, but at the same time, there're also so many positive things that people like, you know, the sense of community and everything you're talking about. That just I'm I'm
1: totally.
0: I'm just always heartened when I hear a person's experience like what you had because that's a, you know, obviously it's unique, so that's yep. cool. Um so then as you started to kind of, you know, grow up and obviously form an identity, um what what person did you find yourself being like as you were, you know, going to high school and um I mean I know you mentioned casually Tony Hawk, I obviously also played Tony Hawk as well. <laughs> um every, I think every male between the ages of like 20 and uh, you know, 37 played Tony Hawk at some point. Oh, yeah. But uh, you yeah. know, were were you like a, you know, an indoor video game kid or did you find yourself expressing uh yourself in different ways?
1: Um I actually it's funny that uh i that was like the first thing i said because i didn't i was like not very into video games at all um that was that was the only one that i would play consistently um but usually it would be like i would play it for half an hour and then i would be like man i really want to go skateboard and then i would go skateboard and get discouraged because i couldn't you know do a kickflip or whatever and then i would give up and go play guitar but <laughs> um it was yeah it was kind of confusing because a lot of uh, in the high school Where I was going A lot of uh, I had friends Which was cool But a, a lot of guys Really liked playing Video games I didn't like video games That much And A lot of guys Played sports I didn't like sports That much And then also A lot of guys Really liked music But they all liked Kind of Led Zeppelin And ACDC And like that kind of thing mm-hmm. And And uh, a lot of times your dad is the person who shows you that. But when I was growing up, my dad listened to like U2 and that kind of stuff. So when I heard Led Zeppelin and ACDC, I was like, oh, why is this, you know, this is old and doesn't sound that good. Like, why do you guys listen to <laughs> Right. So looking back, that makes you feel dumb. But in the time, I was like, wow, I just cannot jive with like very much of anything here. Right. Um. But, and I don't mean to sound bratty because I did have, like, a lot of great friends in high school, and in the times when we were just, like, you know, we would talk about The Simpsons or, like, you know, just talk about girls that we had crushes on or whatever, Um, but there wasn't that much that we, uh, um, like, really, like, interest-wise, there wasn't that much stuff that we all connected on, but, because I was listening to, I was listening to more, like, current, uh, I really, like, Say Anything in Motion City Soundtrack and those kind of bands. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like junior, senior high school that I met um, people who actually liked that kind of stuff. And that was um, that was mainly Brendan, who was into that, and, and from baseball. And then also um, like two other guys that I ended up starting another band with. But yeah, it was weird because I had, I had things that I very strongly liked and things that made me happy. I was so confused all the time because I would, like, shove these bands down my friend's throats. be like, listen to this song. Ah, you don't like it? Okay, try this song. and Try this song. And they'd be like, no, dude, this sucks. We don't like any of this. (laughs) So it was really confusing to, like, like it so much but not find anybody else who likes it. So
0: it was weird. Yeah, I really like that experience because you do feel like, because, you know, obviously when you're that age, you don't understand the context of, where the music is created you know it's like you know motion totally city, yeah it's like motion city soundtrack and you too could be the same thing because it's, you don't understand i mean you understand one is like more popular right. than the other but you don't like you don't know the difference and so when you're trying to like yeah you know like i i, I so remember that experience myself where it's just like i mean granted like you know i was definitely more you know whatever you know I, i'm i'm a straight-edge vegan hardcore kid so it's like i was you know getting into like earth crisis and strife and like you know for yeah. for people that like like no effects and lag wagon i would like try mm-hmm. to i'd try to push like strife on him because i was like it's fast like <laughs> you guys will probably like it and they're just like yeah. why is this dude screaming and it's like Oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly. right, exactly, totally. And like, you know, you're listening to uh, Justin sing on Motion City soundtrack, and you're like, "Dude, this is super catchy." And then people are like, "Dude, he's kind of yelling." And you're like, "Well, no, like, I don't yeah,
1: he's <laughs> singing. Come on, totally,
0: dude, this is super poppy. What are you talking about?" <laughs> Let's put a pin in this conversation right now with Jake because I have to tell you about an incredible service, and that incredible service is called Hello Fresh. So, what what is Hello Fresh? It sounds like maybe uh, an air freshener. No, 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 no. no. It is a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. And what I want you to do before I tell you about the amazingness that is this, I want you to go to HelloFresh.com and enter WORDS, W-O-R-D-S, when you subscribe, and I will get you $35 off your first shipment. So check it out. What they do is they create new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks that are short on time. Trust me, I am not a cook in any way, shape, or form. And I cooked this amazing veggie shepherd pie that was just so, I'm drooling as I'm talking about it. It was sumptuous. I was able, like a pie, I don't even, if, if someone was like, Ray, your life depended on making a pie, I would be like, I don't even know where to begin. Looks like I'm going to die. <laughs> so the fact that I can make a shepherd's pie from scratch using their easy, easy instructions shows you that anybody could do this thing. And they also HelloFresh employs a full-time registered dietitian on staff who reviews each recipe to ensure it's nutritionally balanced and it's all delivered to your doorstep. You don't need to go to the grocery store, get any additional ingredients. They're supplying everything for you. It's the, it's it's a no-brainer. You have to try it. So go to HelloFresh.com and enter words when you subscribe and you get 35 bucks off. Trust me, you will not be sorry that you did this. You will be drooling, eating, consuming food. And loving the fact that I put this on your table, so please go do that right now. I'm waiting. All right, hellofresh.com. In Inner words, thirty five dollars off. Boom. Here's our conversation with Jake. Right back at you. How'd you get keyed into those bands? Like you know, because obviously, even though Say Anything and Motion City are obviously uh, you know extremely popular bands, like it, it, that's still obviously not something that's played on the radio. So, did, like, you, did you kind of just like find yeah. it out via friends or like via mp3.com? Like, where are you where are you coming up with this stuff? <laughs>
1: I think it was. I always try to recount how it actually happened, but I think it was all like the internet. Um, I have a. I do have a specific memory of um, finding Say Anything for the first time, and they were the they were the first real band like in that vein that I tapped into. So once I got them, it was a little bit easier because I would just go to iTunes and like click on Say Anything, and then it would have all the related current bands, and I would just look at those. But for Say Anything, it was just. Oh, there's this fucking like two, uh, like frat bro guys on YouTube that would do acoustic covers of songs, and I thought they were the greatest thing in the world. Um, and uh, but they would do like Wonderwall and stuff. But one time I was looking at their videos and they had a cover of a uh, "Alive with the Glory of Love" by Say Anything, and that was one of the only bands that they had covered that I had not heard of. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I listened to the cover and I was like, "Oh wow, these like words are really weird." He's uh, he's talking about like weird shit, but it's also catchy and it's also cool. I got to look up this band, and then I looked it up and I remember like listening to the 30 second preview on iTunes, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Because then I heard it with the actual band and not just like these two guys with acoustic guitars singing it, and I was like, "This rocks and is super cool. This is my new." favorite thing right so uh yeah i think it was mostly the internet
0: yeah no i and I, I love that but i really like how specific you got with that because it's like you know the thing that, <laughs> i mean the thing that always blows my mind about music is like you really don't know how certain things will affect you you know it's like whatever those yeah you know those two dudes recording their acoustic covers on youtube like right you know like, like they they you know I'm sure they had no notion that they were going to influence, you know, <laughs> a, a kid to pick up a guitar. Well, will not not saying that it influenced you to pick up a guitar, but just kind of head down the road. Yeah, no, but
1: still, yeah, totally.
0: And it's just so it's so wild that like the littlest of things that someone could do. Uh, it totally yeah. just, like, changed the trajectory of a person's life and you know everything it just yeah and so I, I just love how specific you were with that because that you know everyone has yeah. that that little origin story of like oh yeah some dude you know threw threw away a blink 182 tape and i picked it up and like oh my- right it's yeah like- i found it
1: <laughs>
0: totally totally that's
1: so cool. i never really thought of it that way before that's really cool yeah,
0: no, I, I just, I, just, I mean, I, I think as you, I mean, I'm like 36 years old now, so it's like the fact that I still care about this stuff, it, you know, I'm able to reflect, <laughs> on it. I'm, I'm, I'm able to reflect, totally. on I'm able to reflect on it in different ways, but I think it's just, uh, yeah, it's so, so insanely powerful that it's like you know, one show, you know, a, a kid, the 13 year old kid going to a modern baseball show, um, you know, can be, you know, irre- irrevocably changed just by that yeah. show. And it's, yeah, that's it. Anyways, I'm, I'm getting too, yes. uh, I'm getting to uh, on the soapbox saying how awesome music is. And I find myself doing that <laughs> way too much. Um,
1: music rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Um, and so that you, you mentioned that obviously guitar was kind of already in your life, but, uh, you know, how did mm-hmm. that, I mean, was that something that your, your, your dad kind of encouraged or did you just kind of pick up? Cause you wanted to rock, so to speak.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess, wanting to rock played a little part of it because I started I started out in elementary school playing cello and I played that through part of middle school Um, but it got to the point where I was just like this is kind of boring and none of my other friends do this Um, and I'm starting to listen to this cool music but none of this music has a cello in it (laughs) Um, so I just like I bought a bass on eBay um, for $60 or something And just started learning how to play bass and I would play along to like Say Anything songs and Green Day songs and Blink-182 songs. And then after that I got a guitar and then after that I got a drum set. Um, And just like that was what I would do all day, all the time, instead of uh, like play video games or play sports. Um, So yeah, I just, uh, I would hole up in my room and learn how to do stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah. Just kind of figured it out on your own. Um, Yeah. And did you did you have the notion like once you obviously started to, you know, pick up a guitar and and you know, be influenced by bands that your friends didn't like? Did you always have the context of trying to like create a band or play music from that perspective or was it just kind of like, oh, I just like to do this?
1: Um, it's kind of it's a little bit blurry, but definitely not at the beginning. Like I'd at the beginning, it was just like, I think partially because I like being alone so much. I was like, this is something that I can do by myself, and it, it's fun for me, uh, and it also feels like I'm growing. So, this is a great thing I can do, like, alone in my room. And then eventually, I think once I started getting into more music um, and hearing about, like, bands playing shows and recording albums and, like, the inner workings of how that stuff kind of goes, I was like, oh, wait, if you play guitar you should like be in a band um, so then I would you know I would jam with my friends every now and then but there was never never ever uh, even the slightest inkling of like the possibility of being in a band uh, like a real band like that that was right. gonna be my job that was like especially with you know a mother who's a minister and a dad who's a superintendent and just like a family of educators. For the most part, like all my my grandparents were teachers um, and also ministers. So the the possibility of being a band in a band like as a career was like, yeah, that will literally never happen. Don't even think about it. Right. Um, and it wasn't even a sad like I wish I could do that kind of way. It was just in a realistic way like nobody's in a band. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so uh, it was funny how it turned out. Yeah. The opposite way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. You you accidentally fell into it. Um, yeah. And the, uh, so did you, cause I'm sure you, uh, you, you hit a point within the context of obviously your family in regards to, um, you know, just obviously like where religion sat in your own head, um where you Mm -hmm. had to like either confront like is this something i actually believe or is this habitual um the only reason i bring it up Mm -hmm. is just because you know obviously since you're you're so close to the church um you know was it one of those things you kind of had to wrestle with it for a couple years before you ended up you know either like kind of where you sit now um or uh yeah i'm just curious about like because i do feel the only reason i bring this up too is because like you know i i went to i basically had christian education all throughout like you know went to Uh. yeah i went to like a lutheran lutheran high school and like you know i just I, i noticed all of these people who it's like they either habitually did it just because it's like oh yeah well i go to church on sundays and like that's what i do but like they didn't ever like think about it for themselves you know what i'm saying so i just i'm, I'm interested yeah. because you were so on the front lines like if you ever had any struggles with that or if it was always just like no i i actually do believe this and like i think this is you know an important part of my life or whatever
1: um i think it's kind of weird to think about it because i didn't i didn't seriously um kind of try to analyze myself about it until I came to college. Um, But before that, for a while when I was younger, it was obviously very much just like, you know, church is a thing we do every Sunday. Uh, I don't really think about it. Um, I'm a little kid. Like, I just go here and then I go home, and it's what everybody does. And then uh, as I got to be like 13, 14, I would do more of the youth group type of stuff where we would – Go to events and go. Uh, we did a couple mission trips and we would like go. Uh, I don't know. We went to see like Switchfoot one time and just a bunch of things like that, like ext- extracurricular type church stuff. And once I start getting into that type of thing, uh, I do remember a period where I was really, really into it. Like very much, um, uh, I don't know, just like feeling very much like a religious person. Like I. I believe every part of this and I you know, I want to do this. I want to be involved in this for a long time. And then when I went to college, I kind of, or I guess and high school also once I started um, hanging out with my friends more. But specifically in college, I kind of went cold turkey from church just because I had been to church like every day of my life since, or every Sunday of my life since I was in my mom's stomach. So right. I was like, I'm going to be in college. I'm not going to go to church this Sunday. I'm going to sleep till like 1130. Totally. Um, so I started doing that. And then it was kind of weird because without thinking about it, just after a few weeks, weeks went by of not doing it, I was like, oh, I haven't been doing this and I had not really been thinking about it. Uh, what does that mean? So... That was what kind of got my brain turning about it. But then, um, as I got older and like we started touring more, and I started talking to more, um, that was yeah. So one th- cool thing that happened with touring was that I got to talk to more people about the church who weren't necessarily involved with the church at the time. Because when I was growing up, the only people who I talked to about church were people in the church. Right. Um, but as a as a traveling musician you meet a lot of people who are not necessarily skeptics but like you know some people who are kind of in the same boat as me where they grew up with it um, and they're still into it now but just not as deeply so once I started having more of those conversations I kind of realized that I um, I still see I can appreciate how much good comes from it like we talked about a little bit ago mm-hmm. um, and then also um, I don't know there's just yeah. certain things but My family that happened They're like okay This still kind of like Hits me in the heart Kind of hard sometimes Yeah Um, But yeah It's something that I Am always It's always kind of In the back of my mind but I never, I've never really sat down and said like I'm this or
0: I'm this. Right, right. So, yeah. Well, no, I mean it's one of those things. It's like obviously it's such a moving target, you know. There. Yeah. It's like you know, at the core of it, when you strip it away, it's like the idea of just like you know, do you, do you believe that there's a, a purpose of us on this planet or do you not? You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah. and, and granted, that is like the you know, like the million dollar question that everybody asks themselves. But it's like, <laughs> but it's like when you when you get the nuance behind. Um, different people's experiences, it does open you up to where it's just like, Oh yeah. Like that, you know, this person believes this and I see where they're coming from. Um, so, but yeah, but they're not a bad person. Like they just had a different experience. And so, right. I mean, it's cool because ultimately it got you, um, into a place where you obviously are thinking about it more, um, you yeah. know, more, more deliberately as opposed to just kind of like, Oh, whatever. Like I'll, I'll, I'll just do this. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it feels cool to like be able to talk about it and, you know, not just think like, oh, that thing sucks. I don't want to talk about
0: it. Yeah, totally, totally. No, I appreciate that. Um, and so then, the the uh, d- where's your path kind of, like, going to be, you know, you were going to enter teaching at some point? Because, like, you mentioned that it was obvious. I mean, you had two choices in your family. It sounds like you either to become a uh, yeah.
1: a minister or <laughs> Basically, an Basically, a minister or a teacher, <laughs> yeah. So what? Um, I think I thought about teaching for a little bit. Um, and then the first, what did I... I don't know I kind—I of, thought about teaching I thought about like journalism for some reason because I always kind of liked writing um, but it really wasn't until well what I ended up doing was I went to Jacksonville in Philadelphia and studied um, music recording but and that was something that I was kind of doing at the end of high school like just recording stuff in my basement that sounded really bad and um, but I had no idea that colleges had programs for that um, so it was literally, like, I was thinking about journalism, I was thinking about teaching, and I was looking through lists of majors at certain colleges, and one of them had, like, you know, and they all had music majors, but that was all, uh, like, kind of classical-type stuff, and I was just, like, somebody who taught myself how to play guitar, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to get into some music program with my, like, you know, riffs. <laughs> uh, so but I was just looking through lists of majors, um, at schools that I liked, and I saw, um, you know, like, let's see, a lot of people called it music technology. Um, Jackson called it music industry. But I was like, oh, what is that? And I started, I would like Google it. And I was like, holy crap, you can, you know, do this thing that I've been doing in my basement, uh, at college. Because I knew about recording studios, and I knew that a lot of times, like, you know, you read in like books about the Beatles about people like interning at Abbey Road whenever they're fifteen, but that's really the only impression that you get of learning how to be a recording engineer. And I had no idea there were actual programs at regular colleges about music recording. Uh, so that kind of like flipped a big heavy switch in my brain that was like, "Oh, I'm definitely going to do this. No question. This is the thing." So um, yeah, and then. I did, and I was lucky enough to get into Drexel's program for it, and I'm really glad that I did it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. I mean, it's a, it is tricky when you look at the idea of music studies in the context of, of school just because like you know there's obviously so many schools that like I granted I'm just pulling from my own personal experience I remember attending this is granted this was a local community college and I thought it was I, mm-hmm. very much like you where it's like I read this and I was like oh like a music industry class like that sounds cool and I remember it was like, <laughs> a friend and I were in there and you know the, the teacher was um, you know ancient and like I remember the first lesson <laughs> was basically like he was talking about like sheet music and the business of selling sheets yeah. like, and it was one of those things oh god! totally you're just like uh, like you, you are literally paid to get up here and teach about something that is like yeah. this just it, like it, it's not even irrelevant it's like it's not even a thing
1: right. anymore
0: and so it's just gone. <laughs> totally. but it's just it's cool because I, I know they're obviously universe Drexel is definitely one of them that like actually has programs that um, you know are highly invested yeah. in the idea and like actually will give you teachable skills within the context of not only I mean r- recording is obviously a very uh you know uh, a learned trait but then obviously the music industry um you know there there's good totally. programs but it's cool that you were able to like land at one that was good as opposed to like you know land at one that was just like oh yeah here's here's sheet music you probably would have been like really right. screw this
1: yeah four years right. <laughs> four <laughs> totally. years how to sell sheet music. <laughs> totally totally
0: um And so then, uh, as you like, did you actually, is modern baseball ostensibly like your first band or did you have other kind of, uh, projects before that you tried, like that you maybe played a high school talent show or anything like that? Or is is modern baseball kind of your first thing?
1: Modern baseball was the first, uh, band that I ever like went on tour with or anything or that, you know, played, played a show outside of our hometown. But in, uh, let's see. In middle school, I had a band with a couple of my friends, the guys who like Led Zeppelin, um, where we just like jammed at my friend's house once or twice, and we didn't play any shows. And we were called the Rotting Bunny Corpses. And then uh, in high school, for a long time, I played in a metalcore band um i love i love
0: well i love (laughs) first of all the 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 first band name is unbelievable it's so good Uh, but but please please tell me (laughs) let me let me me just guess your band name just because usually i find it so fun so uh like you can probably come close it's probably some version of well give me a year like what? What year was this that you were
1: roughly doing this? Okay, um two thousand nine. Okay, probably
0: two thousand nine. Okay, I was I was gonna go the direction of like um you know like usually three or four words strung along like you know right uh, tomorrow morning's ashes or something
1: like that. Exactly. Uh, yes, oh. that is okay. It's one of those. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: I love it. I lo- there.
0: So- <laughs> some Holy shit. there are some cliches that just never like i mean because those i just remember like you know in the early 2000s every metalcore band like once from autumn to ashes hit every other band was like mm-hmm. uh, name a, a season and a uh, <laughs> like just yeah but anyway so to reveal, reveal the name and I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how roughly close okay, it, cool.
1: it was uh living like wolves
0: oh okay that's yeah i, I get that i like it
1: yeah you know like we're all in the wilderness you it rough, you know, <laughs> no, you don't know what's gonna happen.
0: You're part of You're part of the Wolf Pack, I get it.
1: Exactly. Right. So we did that, um, and it was I never really I never really liked the music that much. I guess I liked it. Well, my friends would play me popular metalcore songs and they would be like, Okay, check this out and yo 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 yo, listen to this breakdown right here. This is crazy, this one's so heavy. And I was like, Oh my god, yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, I'd be like, yeah, that's sick. Let's, like, jam. And then we would jam. And then I would go home, and I would look up those bands and be like, oh, I'm going to listen to this record by this band. And I would get two songs in and be like, ah, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> this is just, like, a lot of, uh, I don't know, the same thing over and over again. So, But it was really fun to play. I will not deny that whatsoever. Absolutely. It was awesome. A lot of headbanging. Right. Um, and we actually played some shows with that band Um, and then right before that I was in a band with my sister called Purple Shanty Shack and that was uh, we just tried to sound like Paramore but that didn't actually what happened with that was we played a couple of shows with that band for a little while Uh, we played the high school talent show uh, and some of our friends houses but then everybody in the band started getting into metalcore and we decided that we had to kick my sister out of the band. And then we did. And then the band briefly dissolved and then we got back together as a metalcore band without my sister.
0: Nice, that, that's, a, that's a pretty, deep, that's a pretty <laughs> big move there, my friend.
1: It was, it was not, uh, you know, not the best. I, the other thing was, when we kicked out my sister, I was like, okay, this is, you know, we played like one more show and we we're like, let's not do this anymore. And then they all started a metalcore band and they needed a bass player, and they were like, "Do you want to just do this?" And I was like, "Ah, yeah, okay, sure." Um, so yeah, but she was a uh, she was a very good singer, and she still is.
0: That's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. You didn't you didn't crush her ho- her hopes and dreams at that point. <laughs> yeah, no. She
1: she made it out. That's good. good.
0: I'm excited to tell you that support for this podcast comes from Toyota and their new 2017 Highlander. So if you're like me, when the weekend comes, you just don't want to sit around the house. You want to get out with the family, explore new places, try new things, maybe check out a science museum, hit a festival, or just head out into nature. Well, the new Toyota Highlander is the perfect vehicle for discovery. It starts on the outside with its sleek design and aggressive new front grille that say you've got an attitude for adventure. It's also improved powertrain, it makes it more fun to drive and more fuel efficient than ever. It has Toyota Safety Sense technology standard, including pre-collision system and lane departure alert. It even has five USB charging ports because, you know, the last thing you want to do is for someone's device to run out of power. And my favorite feature is Driver Easy Speak, which lets you broadcast what you say to the rear seats so your passengers can hear you. It doesn't mean they'll listen, but at least they can hear you. So please navigate to your nearest Toyota dealer or Toyota.com and see whether there's always more to discover in the new 2017 Highlander. Here's some legal stuff that you need to listen to as well. Drivers are responsible for their own safe driving. Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the condition of the roads, weather, and vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. See the owner's manual for additional limitations and details. The TSS pre-collision system is not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. Lane departure alert is not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. Phew. Moral of the story, Toyota Highlander, the real deal. Great car. Check it out. I, I did want to hit on something uh, that, that yeah, I know you've mentioned once or twice uh, before, where it's like y- y- you mentioned. Obviously, you enjoy your, you know, your your solitude, your alone time. Your, you know, it seems like obviously you're very uh, introspective because you know you're you, uh, you're using big words, and I trust people that use big words. Um, <laughs> but like, it, is it uh, you know, obviously being an introvert, but then obviously having to thrust yourself on stage and be in front of a lot of people. Uh, was that a a struggle for you as you started to, you know, basically as the band started to obviously get a following and you weren't just playing, uh, you know, your, your local basement shows in Philly and stuff like that. Was it a a weird Mm -hmm. notion for you to kind of be like, Oh wow, people are coming up and talking to me. And like, how do I, how do I handle this?
1: (laughs) It's always, uh, like the way that I feel about it has always confused me. Um, because whenever, as far as, like, performing goes, I never, I don't really get nervous at shows ever, kind of, especially when there's a stage, um, because it kind of feels like you're in your own world up there, or at least to me. You kind of feels like you can, like, shut out everything and just do this thing that you really like to do, um, which is cool. And I'm very lucky that, also when I was growing up, I was really shy, so I'm really lucky that whenever we started playing bigger shows with modern baseball. I never, like, it never clicked in my brain that that's the opposite of, like, how I was before. Um, So I was always okay with that. And then as far as talking to to fans and stuff goes, um, I never... I'm, like, a generally friendly person. So especially after college, when I learned how to, like... After college, but in college, when I learned how to have, like normal small talk conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since then, I've been able to just talk to fans and, like, have a nice conversation and then go on and do whatever I like to do. But the more... Um, now that we're playing bigger shows and playing shows more frequently like, doing... Um, I think we usually play, like, probably 150 to 200 shows a year or something like that. Just the... Uh, I, I'm still really good at talking to people about the music or about anything, but I just get so, uh, the introvert side, side of me creeps in a lot faster than it used to, and I just get uh, um, drained a lot easier, and I just need to like go in a room by myself. And it's so funny that it happens now because my mom my mom saw that in me when I was like really young, uh, like when we would go to family gatherings and stuff, Um, and then we would leave and she would know that us going home was like my recharge time. And whenever we were around people too long, I would like get, get quiet and get grumpy or something. And I don't do that anymore, but like, it's still like in me. So it's so funny that I kind of learned that about myself from her when I was younger, that like your recharge time is when you're alone and you're kind of burning the fuel whenever you're talking to people. Um, which sounds so weird and mechanical, but it's also, like, at this point in my life, it's so painfully accurate. Um, But, and it's also really, it's not even with, um, like, I love having one-on-one conversations, especially like we're having right now. Like, this is awesome. I'm not thinking, like, oh, my gosh, when am I going to get off the phone so I can go, like, stare at the wall for an hour? I'm not thinking that at all, but it's, like, when you're at a show um, and you have, like, 10 people lined up in front of you who all want to have a meaningful conversation with you? That's like so cool and so awesome, especially the fact that it's about something that you created, and it's like the greatest feeling. But just to like, for me, that's you know, that's like more draining than driving twelve hours through the night or something. It's like I don't know why it's just the way my brain goes, but
0: yeah, well, um, it's I mean, really weird. No, I told I I completely see where you're coming from, and I like I don't even. I don't even care if you are like extremely extroverted like the uh the 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 notion of that still is uh is draining like i you know i i play i played in bands for many years and toured myself and i was the lead the lead screamer in my hardcore bands and so like you know people people immediately go up to the singer to talk and discuss lyrics and everything else and it's like i'm a very outgoing person but they're came like you know I, there came moments where it was like you know because I would do the whole yeah. I would do the whole I play and I immediately run back to like sell the merch just because like I enjoyed yeah. the experience of meeting people yeah but like I needed like five minutes just to be like all right, I gotta like totally. gather myself and be, you know, not not just like put on a good face, but just like I, I can't be this like raw bundle of emotions where it's like someone gives me a yeah. g- gives me a compliment and I'm just like, oh God, thank you so much. It's like, hold, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, exactly. to, totally. So no, I, I empathize, <laughs> like I empathize with with that idea, and especially too, this is actually something I was going to ask as well in regards to because obviously your your trajectory as a band has been you know extremely interesting to watch just because it's like you guys you know the the their the, your growth has been sustained but you definitely have taken jumps where it's been like oh like mm-hmm. now now we're playing to you know whatever thousand to fifteen hundred yeah. cap rooms and like you know that yeah that may happen three years into a band's career as opposed to like maybe a year and a half and so you guys have had to do a lot of like you know navigating how you can yeah. still maintain the sort of feel of the shows that you obviously totally. love playing, and so like you know is is that just like a conversation that you guys kind of internally always have with one another where it's just like all right, even though we're taking this next jump, like what can we do to make this all kind of feel i guess at home and appropriate as opposed to like you know we're this untouchable band on stage
1: <laughs> um it's kind of a uh, we never really we don't ever have. We've never like sat down and talked about it by itself, but it definitely comes up whenever we make individual decisions. Like um, part of it is like the bands we bring on tour. Um, you know, like 80% of the time, one of the bands on the bill, if not all the bands on the bill, will be like friends of ours, like our friends' bands. Um, which is just uh, like obviously that's kind of for us, but in a sense, it kind of makes it feel like whenever if we have that connection with another band on the tour and the audience can see that even like when we're promoting it or something, if it's like, you know, all these bands are from Philly and they all used to play with each other, it just makes it feel more like, um, you know, more like you're going to see your friend's band in a basement than, you know, you're going to see a big rock show at this like 2000 cat venue. Um, and then also things like if we get, if we get a proposed tour routing and there's a bunch of venues uh, that are like 18 plus, or there's a bunch of venues where the ticket price is kind of jacked up and we know that it's going to be even more with the ticketing fees. then we'll like talk to our booking agent about like, Oh, what can we, you know, what kind of deal can we cut with this venue so that we can get this down to 16 plus so that, you know, kids can get in. Or like, what can we do? You know, is there another venue in town where we can get a cheaper ticket? Um, so that it's more like everybody can come and hang out as opposed to uh, a certain chunk of people who are able to afford this going to this, like, extravagant rock show. So it's kind of like a case-by-case basis where we'll try to make small decisions to keep it more... um, chill
0: yeah per se no i well i honestly i love that word chill because it's like you (laughs) you do like when you're caught up in the the mechanisms and machinery of a band that obviously provides a sustenance for not only yourselves but then obviously the people around Mm -hmm. you from booking agents and managers and all that sort of stuff there is there is a notion to obviously like yo we need to take this fucking seriously like you know this is some this is a real deal shit but then you know you do have to do the things that make you feel comfortable because otherwise then you're just going to be you know then it just turns into this like mindless exercise that you're just doing it because uh, you're like well I guess the band's still going well so I guess we'll still do it you know <laughs> like there's no right yeah there's no thought put into it it's just kind of like oh well it's a it's, sure. it's a machine now we got to keep it rolling because I don't yeah. know yeah I don't like know like if else. we didn't think
1: about those things we could literally just show up the first day of the tour play every day um you know drink beer every night and then just whenever we're done we just turn our brains off but it's uh it's just like sometimes it's scary to think about how easy it would be if we didn't think about any of that stuff but it makes it so much more even though it's more work in the long run it makes it have that you know that like comfortable community feeling
0: yeah um, no absolutely that's okay. i i like that because they it, it not only it keeps you rooted in the decisions that you make as a band and like, you're not just handing off all of those things to, you know, a third party to make those decisions. Like you obviously are, mm-hmm. enga- you're engaged and you want to be involved.
1: Yeah. Totally.
0: The, um, the, you know, kind of on that same tip where it's like the uh, you know, what, what you guys have done in regards to actually having um, you know, I wouldn't even so much call it a political stance, but just the idea that like, you know, to obviously, care for one another and like obviously create some Mm. spaces for people and like all of these things that you know are they are inherently tied into the idea of independent music and punk and hardcore but at the same Mm. time at the same time bands don't like i guess actively promote it because you know it, it maybe yeah. maybe it's just like all right well yeah everybody should know this already you know um <laughs> but but you guys obviously make a concerted effort to put it out there and you know it's cool because obviously a lot of people rally around that and then you know in turn feel uh less alone when you guys are obviously putting yourselves out there um you know, how, how does it feel for, I guess, you to, uh, I guess, have an agenda as a band? Um, I mean, obviously, you're doing that on purpose. Um, it's not just accidental <laughs> you're doing it. But um, I presume that that's also, uh, you know, kind of a, a core conversation you guys are having internally to be like, yes, we need to do these things because of, you know, reasons A, B, and C.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's cool. It makes it feel, um, well, like I said, those those discussions are always um you know, the harder discussions that we have, but at the same time, it makes it feel so much more purposeful. Um, and we're also really lucky that, I don't know if, I don't know if it's just us in particular or if, uh, everybody gets to experience this whenever they run shows that way. But like when we talk to our fans in person or on the internet, um, about, you know, the steps that we take to try to make the show safer or to try to make the shows more affordable and all that stuff, um, they're so appreciative and they're, you know, they're just like, thank you so much for doing this and having your shows this way. And like, you know, taking the extra time to put the thought into it because, you know, it makes me feel welcome or it makes me feel safe or it makes me feel like, you know, I'm inspired to start a band or anything like that. So that's a really big part of it is that we are lucky enough to hear back from all the people who are involved in it. Um, and then uh, yeah I mean that's the main thing really because um, there's not that many uh, I don't know it's really cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone is very appreciative that we do it the way we do it and um, I don't know we're very lucky and I guess that's also kind of a precedent that we set with our fans by making our music so vulnerable it's like hey we're sharing with you you're sharing with us so when, then in turn, when it comes to like the specifics of how the show is going to run or like other things, we still have that open line of communication, um, which I don't know if we expected to happen, but, uh, it definitely did happen and we're, uh, I don't know. It feels really cool. Sure. It was very cool.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's definitely uh you're you're showing an engagement level more than um, you know, just a band that's obviously getting up to entertain, which, you know, that in and of itself obviously mm-hmm. is not bad because that is the whole purpose of music yeah. to begin with, but um totally. But the, you know, that kind of differentiates bands, you know, from the quote-unquote mainstream versus bands that obviously have a more mm-hmm. ind- independent minded process of just like, well, no, we want to control you know we we want to feel connected to the people who consume our music as opposed to this you know yeah. this facade of caring by you know putting out a tweet about something or whatever you know it's like there's yeah
1: right totally
0: um and then you know kind of kind of reflecting on your experience obviously putting out the uh you know the slaughter beach comma dog <laughs> the uh <laughs> the uh you know obviously people reach a certain point in their musical career and they kind of are like oh like i've got this you know these these songs just kind of kicking around and um you know i guess i'll i'll put it out under you know a solo project but i can't name it after myself uh because that feels weird if i just <laughs> if i just call it my name um yeah totally but
1: because cause a you all experience
0: right <laughs> i i presume that you were like there's no way i'm ever going to name it after my name right
1: <laughs> yes there was uh also i don't uh I know it's funny because I always uh, think about people who do that and they always have like a pretty cool name. But every time I think about my name, like just in context of like saying it by itself, it's kind of like a goofy, weird sounding name. It definitely doesn't like roll off the tongue at all. Sure. So <laughs> I don't think it was even an option in the first place.
0: Sure. Yeah. You're like, everyone's going to butcher my name and say, uh, Jake yeah. <laughs> Ewad or whatever.
1: You Yeah.
0: Ewald yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, like when people do put themselves out there from a solo perspective, usually it's kind of the idea of like, oh, like here's you know them growing up or whatever. It's like you know obviously people, <laughs> you know people look at what John K. Samson has done with obviously the Weaker Than's and you know he, yeah. did, uh, and obviously you know playing in Propaganda, people listen to his stuff in Propaganda and they are just like, oh yeah, it sounds like a child, and then now he sounds like an adult with all the <laughs> Weaker Than stuff. But right. but then, but your project obviously still has you know, sonic similarities to what you were doing in, in modern baseball, but um I presume it was just sure. one of those things where you didn't have you felt like there was no place obviously in the modern baseball catalog to put these things out. So you're just like, okay, well I'll I'll keep it keep it in the family, release it on Lemo, and um, you know, kind of do it <laughs> do it do it on my own, so to speak. Um was that kind of the genesis of the idea?
1: Um a little bit, yeah. I guess well actually um hmm. The actual inception of it was because I was in, like, total modern baseball writer's block. So I guess it's kind of the opposite of, like, having these other songs. And I specifically wrote um, the Slaughter Beach Dog songs kind of with a different mindset uh, so that I could get out of that funk because I just needed to write something. Like, I hadn't written a song in three months or something crazy like that. Um, And then once I wrote these songs kind of with a different headspace, it totally quick to be back on for like writing modern baseball songs or doing anything. Um but then of course once I started, you know, once I had those songs I was like, oh well this is fun. I should like keep doing this. <laughs> so, um yeah, and that's whenever I talked to Eric and I was like, Oh, do you you know, if I said that this is another band, would you wanna put it out? And he was like, Yeah, duh. So that was really cool. Um but yeah, I guess it was kind of, I was just really stuck. And then I read the other songs and I was like, oh, that's cool. Right. So,
0: yeah. You're like that. That helps me express myself getting, you know, kind of unclogging the pipes and getting that out there.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and I presume like, do you, uh, do you have plans to like, I guess, do more with it in regards to like, obviously playing shows here and there when obviously modern baseball isn't uh, as active or is it one of those things where you're, you're content with it sitting as it is right now?
1: Uh, I definitely wanna. I don't know how. I haven't really nailed down how it's gonna work uh, technically yet. As far as like who's gonna play on what records or how we're gonna uh, when we're we gonna tour or what it's gonna sound like or anything. But I definitely kind of want to treat it as a just have it kind of forever. And anytime I want to just do something extra, I can put it out as. Flutter Beach Dog, so but maybe it'll morph into something else. Uh, I'm not really sure. But right now I've um, we just we put out that modern baseball record earlier this year and we just did the Flutter Beach Dog record. But I've been writing since then a lot of modern baseball songs and a lot of Flutter Beach Dog songs. So it kinda feels like and it and it feels really like, you know, it makes me happy and I feel good about it. So I think I just want to do it for a little while, as long as I have time.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. And does it, you know, kind of going back to the, um, you know, the last thing I want to hit on was the, the notion of like, you were, we were joking about earlier where it's like, Oh, the idea of like playing in a band, you know, making that like my living and all that sort of stuff. You know, I presume, (laughs) I presume like, did you actually finish Drexel or did you drop out to obviously like pursue touring and stuff
1: like that? I did finish, okay, uh, but not until this year. It was earlier this year. Oh, well, Uh, well, it took a little bit of extra time. Well,
0: congratulations. That's a big deal. Um, so, so, like, once once the the idea of you having to, you know, obviously delay you finishing college and all this stuff started to loom in regards to paying attention to the band, um, were your parents uh, were your parents generally supportive or were they kind of like uh, Jake? I don't know. This seems like a terrible mistake. Like how you know? How do, how did they react
1: to it? As it seems you're, like you're throwing your life away. Right. 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 Um, it actually uh, it changed over time because it was really it was really tough to get to the point where we had to decide that we were going to like take the band seriously. Um, because one of the, the, the big thing that happened was, well, we would we would go on tour on winter break and we'd go on tour on summer break. And my parents were always like, what are you doing? Why are you uh, throwing all your money away? But you know, it's cool that you're doing this. It seems fun. Um, and you really love it. And it was like that for a while. But then it got to a point where we got offered a support tour um, like right smack in the middle of a semester. Um, and it was, it would have been like a pretty big tour and we'd never done anything like that. And it was it was been the Wonder Years and they really wanted us to come uh, and we had met them personally and they were like, you know, I don't know, for some reason they really, really wanted us to come and they were talking about like, trying to plan something in the future so they could plan it around our school schedule. And we were like, Holy shit, like what's going on? So that was the first time that I called my mom and I was like, Hey, I want to take time or I think maybe I want to take time off of school to do this. And that was like a, you know, crying with mom type conversation. That was the first one of those. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is terrifying because my parents, I was lucky enough to have, my parents like pay my way through college because they cared about it so much. And they wanted to do that for me and my sister. Um, and so like even just the feeling inside myself of like turning around to my mom and being like, Hey, I know you're doing this thing for me, but, uh, I think it might be a good idea for me to like throw it all away and do this other thing. was like the hardest, one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have with my parents. But as, um, thankfully it ended up going well after that so but thank god it like went well and we got offered other tours after that and then like you know got on a record label and a bunch of cool stuff
0: (laughs) i mean it's cool that obviously like you said everything kind of you know worked out from that perspective but yeah it is a it is a real scary thing to like take that step into the unknown and just be like well this could work out or uh you know i could fail miserably at it but
1: (laughs) yeah it could be totally bad but we also had a we got lucky with our school because once we like once we had the mom talk for each of us and then went to school and started talking to our advisors about how we could actually make it work. They were super supportive from the perspective of like, "Oh, you guys all have really good grades, you know, um, we can help you sort this out. You can take off like half a year to do this tour and then just come back and do everything else. And if you ever want to take off again, you can take off like, you know, 6 months and then just keep going back." um and that's what we ended up doing and it worked out super well um and we only had to do a little bit of extra time at the end so um yeah and i finished college so
0: yeah there we go it worked out in the end (laughs) (laughs) well jake i honestly really appreciate you hanging out and this has been uh, really fun for me to kind of you know uh pull pulled a bunch of different threads in your life but uh yeah this has been fun and thank you so much oh yeah thanks uh, so much for having me dude yeah no problem all right there was mr jake and um thank you very much jake and thank you to his publicist emily for hooking this interview up i always appreciate when more than one people persons more than one human beings are working on uh you know getting guests on the show i really appreciate it because um yeah it shows that the podcast is uh, legit in some way shape or form so thank you very much for everybody involved in making that a reality and um yes the music as always is provided by lowercase noises please google him find his catalog get familiar with it and uh just love the music that he puts out and uh, let's see, the guest next week, I am going to look this up as we speak because uh, I just can't remember anything these days because I'm old. No, that's not true, but I just can't remember. But I had a great conversation with Josh Brigham from Hope's Fall, a band that was around in the late 90s, early 2000s, were a very important part of my uh, musical uh, youth and still to this day have some great records that I revisit and enjoy. So, uh, yeah, Hope's Fall josh will be on the show next week and um yeah that's all i gotta say so please be safe everybody because that's what i encourage at the end of every show and if you actually listen this far i applaud you but yes be safe everybody you've been listening to the jabberjaw podcast network jabberjawmedia.com shh